The Weekly Harvest, an in-depth look at the Brandon Weekings and the WHL. Watchman trying to come up with it for Allison. Here's Allison right in front. He scores! Welcome back to another edition of the Weekly Harvest Podcast, episode 40 this week. As always, presented by Coors Light, the official beer of the Brandon Wee Kings. Please drink responsibly. My name is Chris Falco, Director of Game Day Operations, Community Relations with the Brandon Wee Kings. He's Brandon Crow, the voice of the Brandon Wee Kings. Crow, how are you this week, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a nice couple of days off for me out in the out in the oil patch, and it hasn't been as exciting as, as your weekend was because... If anyone follows you on on social media, they saw a pretty cool wake-up call. Uh, Let's talk, before we get into hockey, let's talk our weekly fishing report. You got a little wake-up call at about, what, 3.30 in the morning while sleeping in your tent, and bang, a huge fish on the line. So let's talk about your weekend. Yeah, that was always kind of the dream, like, about doing the camping on the ice overnight, is having the rods in the water and hopefully waking up to a nice big fish on the line. Well, it was 3.45 in the morning that the bell started going off. So I'm in my tent, and the way it worked was uh, the holes were like kind of behind me on my head on the cot. So I just rolled over on my stomach, grabbed the rod, and set the hook, and I reeled them up from the bed. And then as I was doing that, I kind of shuffled off the cot. And, yeah, went to the hole, and I was like, oh, it's so I, as soon as I reached down, I was like, oh, it's, it's a, that's a walleye mouth. And then I went to pull it up, and I was like, yeah, here we go. It was uh, it was a 24-inch walleye, so it was only four inches short of a master angler. Uh, very decent size for the lake uh, I was fishing, uh, plus caught another couple big uh, big, big pike as well. Um, had a great weekend on the lake, super nice weather. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, it was fantastic. And while I was out there, too, I was thinking and, and laughing about I, I couldn't wait to talk about uh, ice fishing on the pod almost as much as hockey with us not playing. I, I'm kind of not you know, more than half jo- not past the half joking point where like the Falco Fishing podcast, I think, might be coming down the pipeline here. <laughs> be like a brother <laughs> podcast to the weekly harvest just because there was, you know, when I was out there like talking to other fishermen who were passing by and. Uh, a lot more people are getting into it this year, right? Uh, a lot more people on the lakes and even on the overnighter out there. It was on a quieter lake. I was at Sandy Lake this weekend and uh, there was still a number of people who were out there, even a couple other overnighters. So it's uh, great to see how p- people out there doing it. And uh, yeah, I had a great weekend with some good success. Well, it's one of those things we've talked about it before, especially, you know, with your arenas, your gyms, um, you know, your, your curling rinks uh, and everything else kind of locked down. Uh, people were looking for other things to do. I, I know the golf course here in Verdon, they uh, they groomed the cart paths into a, a snowshoeing slash hiking trail. So you kind of walk all the holes, you know, one through nine on the trail. And, you know, people have got their dogs out there and people are looking for things to do. So uh, ice fishing has become uh, kind of the new Canadian or at least the new Manitoba norm uh, this winter. And I, I hope it continues. I, I really want to get into it next winter. I hope I don't have time. I hope I'm at the rink and don't have time to get into it. But if I do, I'd like to, you know, take the odd Sunday and uh, and get out there. But uh, certainly, uh, the fishing with Falco, I think it's got a nice ring to it. And I, I mean, so. I think so. And I can definitely fill up, you know, enough of the pod to talk about it. I think by by this point, uh, while we're uh, you know talking about some of uh, some of the fishing, 
Uh, it's funny how it also came up in a couple of the emails, even. <laughs> people have actually brought that up. The email inbox, a shout out to people who are using it more and more. It's qweeklyharvest at gmail.com. The letter Q, weeklyharvest at gmail.com. Last week on the pod, uh, we said at the end of the uh, end of it, which it, it, it was a longer one. It, we were almost an hour and a half, but it was with uh, Scott Scooter Haladi, which, Crow, I don't know about you, but I've gotten a lot of fee- positive feedback. Oh, yeah. Maybe more on this than any other podcast that, that we've done, honestly, is the one with Scooter. But uh, people who stuck it out to the end, I said that if you emailed me, I had a whole bunch of prizing in the prize drawer that I was going to give out. Um, so that is now cut off as of right now because I'm listing it. But uh, congratulations to Pearl, Carol and Clayton, Aaron, the Fosters, Chasons, Bryce Unger, and whoever TT2423 is, uh, whatever email that is. Uh, they said just watching the Scooter episode on PBR, hanging out to the bitter end. Love it. So thank you to everybody who is listening to that and all of the episodes. You can catch all of the previous 39 online at qcountryfm.ca, Google, Apple, Spotify, Podbean, however you listen to your podcast. I do appreciate it. Uh, with the comments about saying, have you liked the podcast? Uh, if, uh, if, you're like, uh, if you're like Tyler here and just said, uh, hey, I'm almost liking uh, the fish stories uh, and, and checking out the fishing videos on your Twitter as much as talking the lack of hockey. I know that's been kind of the case as of late. Um, but, you know, there is some excitement building, Crow, uh, with the announcement last week as we kick off news and notes at the top of the podcast here and uh, talking about what happened in Alberta with the uh, recent government approval return to play. Yeah, so big news, well, for some people. <laughs> Sad news for others. It depends on how you look at it. Um, but uh, a couple of days ago, as the week came to an end, the WHL Big news announcing that the Alberta Health uh, Authority and the government of Alberta uh, will enable the teams based in Alberta to open up their season on February 26th. Of course, Red Deer, Edmonton, Lethbridge, Medicine Hat, Calgary. They will play uh, interprovincial division. So they're going to travel around normally but play within the border of Alberta. That means that the Swift Current Broncos are now being taken out of the central and moved back into the east um, where they spent all basically their time prior to that. Um, as of right now, it's a 24-game regular season schedule. It'll start on February 26th. And based on the protocols, this is how they're going to make it work. One opponent per week. Uh, so two or three games per week against the same team. And then a five-day break prior to playing a new opponent. So all the games we played on weekends and will consist uh, of home and homes. So basically that allows, you know, if, you, if, you're, if, you're, if you're Edmonton and Calgary and you play twice, um, you're only going to play them in that week and you're not going to play anyone else for another five days after that. So if there is a positive case or there is something that comes up, it allows you not to be kind of mixing and matching teams over and over because you'd hate to have Calgary Edmonton Friday, Lethbridge Medicine Hat Saturday, then each team playing each other and then a positive case coming along. And now you got four teams in trouble. So that's their plan. Uh, and the way it, uh, the WHL is going about it, they will provide private testing through DynaLife Medical Labs so that there will be no additional strain on public health. This is the same testing they used at the World Juniors and in the playoff bubble in Edmonton. So players, uh, staff, uh, coaches, um, everybody else that's uh, you know required to be with the team uh, will get tested. If there is one or more player or staff testing positive at any point, that club will shut down activities for a minimum of 14 days. So um, obviously there's lots to come. I'm, I'm seeing reports here now on this Monday, February 1st, that the state of Washington has approved, 
uh, that their teams will be allowed to continue play. Uh, but other than that, uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry in BC has said she has not even seen the proposal yet from the BC teams, but they are currently looking at it as well. Um, so that's the news coming out as of right now. Alberta's going to push ahead. There's lots of rumors out there about, uh, you know, Brandon Winnipeg maybe setting up shop in Saskatchewan and playing kind of in a Saskatchewan type bubble all around the Saskatchewan border. Uh, we haven't confirmed anything, uh, and there's still plenty of hoops to jump through, but at least it seems like we're getting one step closer with that news out of Alberta. But great news for them, uh, but it just creates more questions for everybody else. <laughs> it sure does. And, you know, locally, uh, you know, we can we can talk about minor hockey as well. Kind of a lot, lot that we talked about last week with, uh, with the Brandon minor hockey sending out the survey to parents. Well, just this past weekend, uh, just down the road in Winnipeg, the Winnipeg Minor Hockey Association has announced that they uh, will not be resuming this season. So uh, absolute best case scenario uh, for them is they may get a couple of practices in uh, for the minor hockey teams, but they've already said that there'll be no minor hockey games played, uh, no playoffs, anything like that. So they're already focused on next year. Um, they join a couple other um, you know, places in the province. Like I know the Interlake did that as well. Uh, so... Still hope for around Brandon, uh, for, for Brandon Minor Hockey, that uh, there may be some semblance of a season, but uh, even that's looking like uh, it's getting closer to being canceled than it is being to being played at this point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the rumors are kind of running wild, and, and they are what they are. Um, I know all we can do, like we have been for how long now, is just preparing for what we do know or what we hope is going to be the case, which is that we get 12 games here. But, uh, you know... You're right, Crow. It was you. It was uh, a little bit nice and worrisome at the same time to hear that news in Alberta because you're like, it's great because it's news, but doesn't quite affect uh, us yet. And I know that uh, there's still a lot of hurdles to be jumped because in the East Division, unfortunately, uh, you know, we're the only division that's now got two provinces playing in it. Right, and and the other thing too is is a. Two or three Spittin' Chicklets podcast episodes ago, uh, Shane Doan, who's a minority owner with the Kamloops Blazers, uh, came on and he was talking to Biz and Wade and the boys about, you know, his son and, and Kamloops and everything. And basically, maybe let the cat out of the bag a little bit um, about, you know, Kamloops' plan to either host or be part of a bubble in BC, either in Kelowna or Kamloops, and maybe gave out a few more details than he should have uh, and what the BC teams were expected to announce. And then, you know, Everybody got a little excited, and then today, Dr. Bonnie Henry, who's the health advisor for BC, saying she hasn't even seen a plan yet, was a little bit deflating as well. So, you know, we don't want to get people too jazzed up uh, because, you know, we're all, like I said, we're all in the same boat here. We don't have answers to these questions, and, you know, we got to take it day by day. It sounds like a cliche, but, uh, you know, we've seen what happened, and, and, you know, with that, we'll segue into our next point. We've seen what happened in Las Vegas, you know. This last week, what a crazy ride in Vegas and Henderson for the NHL and American League teams. And it certainly has affected a number of former Brandon Weekings. Kelly McCrimmon speaking today to the media, uh, saying that, uh, you know, confirming that Vegas has now suspended three games, uh, postponing them. Uh, one NHL roster player and one taxi squad player are now in virus protocol. Of course, the entire Vegas coaching staff being put in isolation, forcing Kelly McCrimmon behind the bench. And then the following night, uh, the Henderson Silver Knights, who of course feature Reed Duke and Logan Thompson, they had their game suspended after the second period because of COVID stuff. And their coaching staff, because they'd been in the NHL, was now down to Derek England, who has retired and isn't planning on coaching. So 
it's been an absolute wild week in Las Vegas. And, of course, great story for Kelly McCrimmon. He doesn't get the win. They lose in a shootout, but come back and battle for a point. But you just see how quickly it can happen. You know, one one positive case inside your bubble, your team bubble, and it just runs rampant. And so certainly we've seen it tonight. New Jersey as well, the Devils, uh, they're postponing games for the next handful of, uh, of days. So um, I know it was big news to see McCrimmon uh, on the bench, and you tweeted out, hey, we hope everybody else, including former Weeking Ryan Craig, is okay. But it is pretty cool to see Kelly behind the bench. And I imagine that the team got a ton of reaction on social media when that took place last week. It's, I mean, there were so many, I mean, and like in that tweet, I mean, I like, I just kind of mentioned the whole Mark Stone and Ryan Reeves connection, but there was a lot more than that. And even the game winner in the shootout, it was Shen. Like, <laughs> yeah. are you kidding me? Brayton Shen? Like, I, like, out of all the other guys in the NHL, it's another former Wee King. Like, it just, the, the storylines in that game was, was just phenomenal to watch. Um, but, uh, yeah, but like, like I said in that tweet, in all seriousness, just hope that those guys are okay because it is a crazy, crazy, uh, spiral. I mean, once, and it's like, like the dominoes falling, right? So, um, just kind of, kind of hope for the best. But, uh, if they're having, you know, that much trouble controlling it at the NHL level, then that also makes you think about how much harder it's going to be to control, uh, you know, when, when, when you don't have the amount of resources that, that they have and they're trying to do it. Right. And, and Kelly did say today, um, this is his quote, uh, we're pleased to say that those who have tested positive are all healthy, doing well. We've now had four days of all negative tests, which is encouraging. And our expectation is to continue this week as scheduled with our games against the LA Kings coming up on the weekend. So, um, you know, by the sounds of it, um, you know, they're going to come out of it uh, unscathed other than a couple of PR nightmares. I imagine that, you know, their staff are spinning on their heads because of the different coaching staffs and the, the American league game getting shut down after the second period. That sounds like something that would happen uh, in Brandon because we've had the fog bowl. We've had the, the mumps. We've had everything else. It's just, in, in, it's in crazy. Cancellation how it is very weaking ish. Yes. yes yeah. The best like part it. of this, the best part of the last, uh, I would say two months, you know, going back into December, you know, when we, and even in the end of the November, when we were kickstarting the second half of our podcast here, you know, obviously we took a bunch of time off in the summer and, you know, we're making plans to come in. And Tyler Glenn, the, the program director at, at Star FM, said to me, what the heck are you guys going to talk about? There's going to be nothing to talk about. And he said that straight to my face. You guys are going to have nothing to talk about. Boy, was he wrong. Because it seems like every night there's another story coming up. I'm glad he's wrong. It gives us something to talk about. And uh, certainly uh, this week, especially coming out of Las Vegas, uh, the Wheat King-related news was was just crazy. So uh, we're wishing everybody the best. And hopefully uh, Logan Thompson, Reed Duke, and the Silver Knights can get back on the ice. And uh, Kelly and the rest of the Golden Knights can get back to uh, normal in uh, in Vegas as well. So uh, this week on episode 40, our guests, uh, we're going to... Kind of do it a little differently. We're going to add a couple of guests. Uh, Dan Johnson, Todd Miller, and Mark Delego, all three weekend assistant coaches. Two of them new, one of them familiar. It's a little bit different than a normal podcast because we're kind of jumping around from guy to guy, but uh, we get some good stories out of them and, and talk a little bit about how they're preparing. And then when we come back after the interview, we'll reveal our next two guests, and episode 41 is going to be a big one. So you're going to want to stick around for that. So uh, anything else before we throw it over to the interview, Chris? 
Uh, no, just uh, a, a heads up that uh, this was recorded uh, right after I got back from said fishing weekend, and I was exhausted. So I want to thank you, Crow, for doing a bang-up job and, uh, and and keeping the interview going because, uh, you know, these guys, I apologize. I was so tired. I was into it, but uh, it was it was a heck of a weekend. So here we Well, go. when you're sleeping on a cot on a frozen lake, I mean... I was <laughs> good for you. You know, <laughs> you've got an excuse. We'll, we'll let it happen. Though, like it was super relaxing. It's the pack up. There's the wood. Like it's like I'm like full Beverly Hillbilly. So the entire truck, <laughs> the entire back of the box, because like I got the big wood floor right, so it folds up these two panels. All their big Rubbermaid containers, three of them, the multiple propane heaters, the sleeping bags. It's a full full pack job. It's a lot of work for a little bit of relaxation, but oh well, it's. It's the sacrifice you got to put in, as was as what was said on Twitter. You got to put in the time to try and get those. Exactly, fans, so. we do it for Coors Light. We, <laughs> and do, we do it, it for the Weeking fans. So uh, our episode forty interview with the Weeking assistant coaches. Enjoy. Our guests on episode forty of the Weekly Harvest. A little bit of a insider X's and O's type look. The two newest hires onto the Weeking coaching staff, and an old face that fans uh, know both as a player and as a coach. So our guests this week: Mark Derlego, Todd Miller. And Daniel Johnson. And I guess uh, before we get going, Billy, I have to ask, you'll notice, you can see me, I'm not wearing a Billy's beef hat that you promised me about 25 episodes ago. So what's with the, what's the shipping details on this Billy's beef hat? You got to come to the office more than once a month. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, there's no excuse because what about me? Yeah, he's there every day. Well, I'm looking for a few more free advertisements, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> well, episode 40 we'll, uh, yeah episode 40 we'll we'll give you a joint partnership because i mean you can't have a coors light without a nice uh slab of billy's beef whether it be a steak or a burger so uh mark welcome to the show and todd and dan you guys are uh posted up together uh first off guys welcome to brandon um i guess we'll start with you todd have you have you settled in a little bit is it starting to maybe i know we don't have hockey but is it starting to feel a little bit more regular like a day-to-day thing now that it's kind of uh, you've been here for for a few days now yeah I think uh obviously after the quarantine was over we <laughs> that was a tough tough part of it doing 14 days of that but actually getting out and seeing the city and uh obviously with Mark and uh Don and Darren and getting to meet everybody um it's been great and you know to be able to work with them it, it's it's much more I'm really excited. It's it's something that I've been missing for a long time since, you know, March, I think it was 13th of my last game. And um, to just be sitting in almost at that point where kids are going to be coming in and uh, we're unsure yet, but it's coming close. So excited. And for Dan, uh, obviously it's, you played and, and had, and came through Brandon, you know, both with Portland and Lethbridge, but um, what have, what have you seen from the city and, and the staff so far? Well, just with the lockdowns and everything, haven't seen a whole lot so far, but just going to the rink every day and getting to hang out with Don and Mark and Todd and Darren, it's a great coaching staff and looking forward to getting things going. Typically, when we kind of have like the single guest on, we kind of go back and sort of tell their whole histories, Uh, not to make you kind of tell your whole biography in a span of like 30 some seconds, but just kind of, you know, for the people who are kind of getting, you know, are going to be getting accustomed to you, Dan, uh, let's, let's start with you. Let's tell people kind of about your hockey background and how, and how this came to be with you working with the Wheat Kings. 
Yeah, so I played five years in the Western League between Portland and Lethbridge. Uh, unfortunately, I was plagued with injuries throughout my junior career going into pro. And just finishing a couple knee surgeries, I moved into the coaching realm of things and breaking down video for guys and just helping them get better night in and night out. And over the summer, I had the opportunity to work with a lot of junior and pro guys. And when this opportunity came about, I was excited to become a part of the Weekinks. Todd, yourself? Um, uh, from my career, uh, I started off in uh, uh, Sarnia, where I was with Mark Hunter, who was my coach there, and uh, played uh, three years there and got drafted by the New York Islanders. And um, I got hurt in my first, actually, NHL camp, and, and that kind of set me back quite a bit. Um, couldn't pass a medical to really play in the NHL after that point, and went on to play uh, – you know, sparingly uh, in the minors, and I ended up going to Europe, playing for playing for more fun at that point. And really, you know, at about 25 years old, realized that uh, my leg couldn't really stand up as much as well as I thought I could, and just tried to play as much as I could. Uh, but in that point, I got into hockey schools and my, ran my own own my own hockey school, and then kind of from there, got into coaching, met Dale Howardchuck, and uh, the rest is kind of history with, with the coaching part of it. I know we're going to actually, you know, obviously have a few questions about that, but while we're going around, uh, Mark, obviously Brandon fans know a little bit about some of your hockey days, but let's just kind of give some of the summary as well. Yeah, played uh, four years in Brandon, well, three years, and uh, missed the year with a neck injury there, and then uh, kind of played four years in the coast, uh, was up in Manitoba a little bit, and then went to Europe for eight more years with uh three in the Asia league there in Japan and South Korea. So seen the world and enjoyed it. And then uh, got in touch with Kelly McCrimmon there. And there was an opportunity here to get on board and that uh, worked out last year. And now a standout star for the Hartney blues in the Tiger Hills hockey league. (laughs) Six points in two games this year, Billy, before they shut you down. I was at your last game and uh, you know, I think you still got it. I I think you still got it. Thanks, Crow. I went quite long in that game, actually. At one point, uh, fellas, uh, I was working in the timekeeper's box, and Billy skated by and looked at me and gave me one of like the blowfish, like that, I am gassed, and this is what halfway through the first period. <laughs> you might have saw my last senior game ever played, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, Todd, obviously, uh, you know, coming from Ontario, I, I mean – People always wonder, well, where does the connection start and, and how who reached out to who? Obviously, with the coaching change here in Brandon with Dave Lowry going to Winnipeg, was it a case of you reaching out to, to Kelly or to Donnie or, or how did that go about? Yeah, well, uh, it was something once I knew. Uh, I had a lot of people that actually around here. That it's, it's such a small world of the hockey world. I know Zinger was around and Chevy was around a lot with, when uh, they drafted Shifley. So got to know them very well. Um, they're in, in our office all the time. So got to know them and wasn't in a situation where, um, you know, even with Kelly McCrimmon, I knew a lot about him and, and was talking with them and even with their American league affiliate team, uh, for something to come up. So uh, that's where it kind of started. And, uh, you know, I sent my resume out and, uh, Darren, Darren got back to me and Don got back to me. And I think we all have, we all have mutual friends. So it's, it's the hockey world's the smallest place. And, um, it was definitely uh, just a good fit. And I, to be honest with you, Brandon Wheat Kings, in my mind, from, from a, a WHL standpoint, 
we're a team that was very successful and and every any person I ever talked to said that this is a great opportunity and, and I and I took it and ran with it I'm like this is great and I, I can't wait to get to Brandon and get started and it's also it's a challenge coming from the Ontario League to the Western League a lot of things could be different and um, that's what I'm really excited about well get and for Get ready for the travel. I mean, once things open back up again, you know, long gone yeah. are the, uh, the OHL overnight trips. Where, like, how many overnighters would would you guys even have, like, in a in a you know in your season? Probably four to five. And we complained about we're in Barrie, which is probably the best travel in the Ontario Hockey League, where we were in our beds most nights. Uh, our only real travel was to like Saginaw, uh, Flint that way, and then over to Ottawa. Or to Sault Ste. Marie, and you know our guys would get upset that we had to uh, go play Sudbury, which is only three hours away, and then after the game, get on a bus and drive another only three, and then bus home after the game that was six, and they thought that was a big deal. So I'm ready for it. I'm prepared, but I know that uh, the players are looked after there. But I really, really want to get a feel for here. And you know what? I love trips and I love road trips, and it is funny how much how different it is. But we were really lucky and buried to. Kind of, you're in our beds most of the night, you know, in your division, the furthest team's about two and a half hours, three hours away. My my aunt and uncle, they live in New Lowell, which is right outside of Barrie, and yeah. drive, driving around to see them, it was like, oh, OHL town, OHL town, OHL town. <laughs> so like, I can just imagine how quick the rivalries would kind of build up when they're literally just like that close. But yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's crazy that way. I mean, uh, just like you said, you, I would hear, I've been hearing, hearing stories from Mark and Don and and uh, telling me just about their bus trips and, and, and how far it is to certain places, to, even to PA. They're like, I remember watching a game and, and really, you know, scouting, scouting the, the Wheat Kings. You know, I watched a lot of video on them. Uh, so one of the games that said, yeah, they just played last night in PA and they go back seven hours and now they're playing again today. I'm like, holy man, really? They're playing again? All right. So that's something I got to get used to. Well, I, I got to give you and Dan some pointers. Mark probably already has, and I'm sure Donnie has. But when it comes to picking seats on the bus, I don't know if we're going to change it up, but you and Dan have got to try and stay as far away from Scooter as possible. Because if you ever want to actually get some sleep, and Billy can attest to this, it's not going to happen if you're within earshot of Scooter because it's just awful. The guy snores like a freight train. And I, it's, it's not even comparable to anything I've ever experienced in my life. We'll have to bring a clothespin for sure for him, eh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dan, when you look back at your career, uh, obviously video was probably just starting to become a regular portion, you know, back in the late 2000s and into the 2010s. But going back to your playing days in Portland and Lethbridge, do you remember doing much video or is this something that you, you know, started to pick up on as you moved on into the pro ranks? Yeah, actually, it was when I was 16, 17, when video really um, became a major aspect of pre-scouts for team. And just coming into the league, I remember um, in Portland with Johnston and Green, every day there was video. And coaches spent a lot of time doing three to four hours a day doing pre-scouting and watching games and preparing meetings and whatnot. So to be able to come here and help the coaches out and cut down the amount of time they're spending in front of the screen, I think is a big value add to the team for sure. Mark, so is this a can, job you, you can you speak on that a little bit? Because I know that, you know, 
as much as uh, as as much as you understand the hockey side, sometimes it's nice to have somebody who has the the technology experience as well around the office. Oh, it's great. I mean, I'm not a tech guy at all, so I mean, I don't think I think Todd said the same thing, and I think we all know Donnie's not much of a tech guy himself. So having <laughs> around is uh, be very helpful for uh, all of us. Well, Mark, you've been in the office on and off since the season was shut down. And I mean, if you go back to that week, I mean, we had our team photo on, I believe, the Thursday or maybe even the Wednesday of that week, supposed to play Friday and all of a sudden it's all over. What have you been doing to kill time and or prepare yourself? Because I mean, realistically, there's only so much you can do without players here. What have you and Don been doing uh, prior to these new guys showing up? Wow, we've... uh... (laughs) Jeez, it feels like I said it's been Groundhog Day again, over and over again. But we uh, go in the offices and kind of we're prepared. We couldn't be more prepared for the season. We've uh, got all the video clips ready to go, uh, drills ready to go, day one, two, three of camp ready to go. It's uh, pretty much trying to get as much prepared as we can and uh, not go crazy. So it's been uh, it's been a long few months, but. Uh, Having these two guys come in was a nice uh, breath of fresh air because I think Donnie was sick of talking to me, and I won't say I was sick of talking to him, but it was uh, nice having these two guys come in. You know what? While uh, we're talking about kind of that 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 downtime, maybe this is a good time for us to quickly talk about Billy's beef because we've talked about it jokingly, giving you the plugs in the past. But how did how did that come about? Like, how did you get into Billy's beef and selling beef products, raising cows? Uh, my wife's family farm there, the Cowans, they've always kind of dealt with friends and family with their beef. And we just kind of thought it'd be a good idea to take it, take it on ourselves and start selling it by ourselves. And, uh, you know, it's been nice. It's, uh, we're not dealing with a whole lot. Jenna does a lot of the work. I'm not going to lie, but, uh, <laughs> I like to hang the beef out and we got a new customer here. Dan just bought some beef and I know, uh, Fox, so you've bought some, so it's, Started getting around the office a little bit too. I've I've I raved, I've raved about having that sausage on the that. ice. There are like and everybody loves it as well. So it's been fantastic. It's good stuff. No, it's been good. Yep. I'm not allowed to buy it, Billy, because I live on a cattle farm. So I feel like if I brought I, Billy's beef in here, my father in law would be like, What no, is that? That's fair. You can wear the hat though. Oh, I can wear the hat. Yeah. So, are you like a, a John Dutton type? Have you watched Yellowstone? Like, are you? Are we're you actually following? almost done season three. Yeah, we're uh, that's we're mirror after the Duttons. That's who we're trying to be. <laughs> What's been your guys' latest binge since you've been here and you guys were quarantining, Todd and Dan? Well, there's a lot to watch in two weeks, but we re- we recently just watched the Tiger Woods documentary, and that was that was pretty special watch yeah, yeah you were gonna say tiger king yeah so i was like, <laughs> like tiger king again i thought you were gonna say mark when you were going through it earlier was there any like netflix binge that that, that you got you hooked on no we've been on yellowstone for a bit it's you probably know different with kids you don't binge much you get a few episodes in maybe a night so it's one or two, and that's it. There's not a whole lot of binge watch. And now with hockey on, it's, it's tough to binge watch. <laughs> Todd, obviously, you've uh, come here with uh, you know a, a great relationship, of course, with the uh, 
uh, with the uh, Barry Colts and, and everything with your relationship with, with Dale Howard, Chuck, I imagine that the opportunities you had to learn from a guy like that, that not only had the playing career he did, but then to have the success coaching as well. I mean, you're, you're bringing a whole new bag of tricks here with you. What was it like, uh, you know, just kind of talk about the development of your relationship and as, as coaching partners. Yeah, I came in with him in 2010. Uh, we kind of met through my hockey schools and that. We really got, you know, we got out golfing and it kind of became a, a, you know, good friend relationship right from the start. But the one thing I'll say, and I've said to a lot of people, is that I thought I knew the game until I met Dale Howardchuck. There's a lot of good, good, you know, guys out there that, you know, were Hall of Famers that, you know, they know their game and they, they can't, tell it to other people where he was a guy that worked for everything he ever got. And he, from a young kid, he said to himself, I'm not working where my dad was in the GM plant. So I'm getting up at five every morning and I'm going to run, you know, 10 miles a day. And he made sure of it. And, you know, he wasn't the greatest skater. He didn't look the prettiest, but I'll tell you what, the, the knowledge and just the skill set. we go out and play against the kids. I remember a great story about Ekblad, Pearson and Shifley would play against me, Jay Wells and Howard Chuck and, it took them the, until the last, you know, last playoff series to beat us three on three because of his, you know, he was, he was so, you beat him the puck, it was in the back of the net. And these kids all thought, and it's, it's funny how it is, is that, you know, the puck moves faster than they do. And at a young age, they're, they're just, they think they can just fly by him, but it's, it's smarts and, and stealing pucks and that. But that's a, that's a thing that I learned from him. But there's so many stories I could go on with you guys about. Uh, last year was probably one of the tougher years of my hockey career. I uh, considered him one of my best friends and uh, got that time to spend with him, you know, in his last week. And uh, we just talked about life and kept away from, you know, what was going to happen with him. And we both enjoyed golf immensely. And he told me and kind of gave me, you know, what I needed to do to be successful. And, and, and I'm following that. And I couldn't be happier being – and Crystal, his wife, we were in contact once a week. Uh, she's so happy. She's from Winnipeg. So she just told me about uh, Manitoba and how great it is. And even the kids, uh, you know, Ben, Eric, Lexi, they're all great friends of mine. Actually, Ben billeted with me, and uh, I had to look after him while his time in Barrie because Dale really couldn't get on him. It would have to be someone else. So it was me that was – laying the hammer down on him as well. He's over in Europe playing right now, but just some amazing stories. And, and I just hope I can bring anything I can bring with me to be here to the Brandon Wheat Kings. I'm going to make sure I do and pass along Gil's, you know, unbelievable knowledge of him. Uh, is, is, is there anyone, uh, Mark, along your path that has had, I, I, I won't say the similar kind of impact, but in the sense of like, as soon as you met them, you just understood that you're going to learn a whole lot more about the world of hockey. Well, that was last year, just stepped into the coaching world. I mean, like you said, you think you know a lot about hockey playing and you think you know it all. And then uh, you meet Dave and Don and you see what goes into it and how you're kind of thinking of every situation and preparation and things like that. And it was just a eye opener for me. So, uh, Last year, I was just pretty much under the learning tree all year, and it was great. Obviously, Dan, you had a, a you know a couple of great coaches you know throughout your career going back into Portland. I mean, obviously Travis Green and 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 Mike Johnson. So, what sort of what sort of things uh, do you bring to the table? Now, I know a video coach is a little bit different. You're probably not necessarily 
uh, in and around as much. You're more of a behind-the-scenes guy but can still throw a little input in there. So what do you plan to bring to the table this in, in really your first kind of full-time uh, high-level coaching gig? Yeah, for me, uh, I get a different vantage point of the game up in the press box and the coaches on the ice. So um, anytime in the intermission where I'm seeing something and maybe it's an adjustment that needs to be made and I'm being called upon and definitely give some input there. But really also after the game, if players are looking to look at their shifts and if there's an instance, really any time that guys are trying to get better, I'm there to go over things with them and maybe give them a NHL comparison or just a side-by-side to really harp in on what we're trying to preach to the players. If you look at, uh, you know, the way that the Brandon team, you know, performed last year, I mean, and I'll start with you, Mark, you, you saw this and I'll let, you know, uh, Todd, Dan, you can chime in as well after Mark's done, but you look at the last handful of games and I think it was 24 and four down the stretch or 20 and four. It was so long ago. I can't even remember, but Brandon was playing some of their absolute best hockey I'd seen in years down the stretch. And then it all of a sudden comes to an end. Well, now I know that the roster is going to change and a lot of things are different, but is there any way to build on that or is it just too far apart and you're actually starting from scratch? What's, what's the mindset for, for you guys when it comes to comparing, you know, the old end to the new start? Yeah, I think we can build on that. I mean, it was so long ago, but I mean, guys don't really forget that and how we were playing and how it ended. So uh, that's something we've kind of talked about is we don't want to change too much too quickly coming into camp and going into the season that, eventually happens here and I think uh, we'll kind of tinker as as needed as we go but we kind of build on what we were doing and uh, keep playing the way we were playing yeah I feel the same first thing I when I met Don and Mark in the office there and Don was really adamant about it well you know how how strong they were coming and not wanting to change a lot and to be honest with you you know even if I had some ideas that I want to bring in well let's see what these guys these guys are on fire Let's let's let them go, and 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 Don was really good about that. Mark and you know Dan here, like we're 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 on the same page. We, let's let's let them play. Like they they were doing something right. Don't don't mess with anything that's going as good as it's going. And then if we have to make adjustments as we go, that's fine. We'll have some new bodies coming in, but uh, the the roster that they have in place and the guys that are going to be coming back, we're we're a solid team, and I really think that they'll be really happy about you know with a shortened season, you can't be teaching a whole lot at the start you got to let them just play and they know those systems and and you know we're just excited to get going and reiterate what they're doing do you think it'd be tough i'll start with dan probably and mark because you guys played the most recently can you know some of you if you were on a you know a, a not very good team and you miss the playoffs you're probably done end of march so you take your april may june july and you're back on the ice competitively in August, aside from some rec hockey. How difficult, I'll start with you, Dan, how difficult is it going to be for some of these guys to be in game shape when training camp opens? Well, it's going to be a little bit the way hockey used to be, as in guys come into camp to get in shape. I know that's not really the norm in today's game, but especially within the circumstances, a lot of guys don't have access to ice and we can't really expect them to be at their top cardio going into camp. So that's kind of what we're here for. And the coaching staff has laid a good plan for camp to get these guys lungs going and start making them hurt a little bit. 
And see, Mark, I asked you this in the office. You actually missed an entire year with that neck injury. Now, the timing was a little different because you did get a full training camp in when you came back. But, I mean, you missed a full year of competitive hockey. Did you notice a legitimate um, cardiovascular change? Obviously, your health is, is main concern. But was it difficult to get back into the swing of things? No, I think for me coming back, I think just the excitement took over and I had a year to train and a year to get ready. So uh, you're so excited to get back. And these guys are going to be very, very excited. They've been waiting for a year almost. I think they'll be ready to go. But like Dan said, I think it'll be play their way into shape. That's that's how I used to do it going to camp. So hopefully they uh, become a little better prepared. But uh, I think they'll just be so excited and ready to go. A lot of our talk last week with uh, with Scooter was, you know, him growing up being a two-sport athlete. I'm going to go around, the t- around and ask uh, all three of you. Mark, we'll start with you. Growing up, was it mostly hockey, 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 or what other sports kind of came into play? I was hockey, and then once uh, the season ended, I was right to baseball. I, I played baseball all the way up to uh, weekend camp usually. We'd be in playoff playing even senior ball, but uh, – Camp would always get in the way, and we'd uh, shut it down. So it was always hockey, baseball. Todd? Uh, soccer and uh, squash, those kind of sports, uh, I felt like soccer was one that, uh, you know, energy, burned a lot of energy and, you know, same kind of same kind of thing. And, and I, I really believe in, in guys playing more than one sport. I mean, you've got to learn to be an athlete. you got to learn to adjust. And, and uh, I felt soccer was probably the best one for me. <laughs> Dan? Yeah, for me, growing up, uh, golf always with the buddies in the off season, but also a lot of tennis with my brother and uh, a lot of matches out out in the summer just killing each other. How were how you in, uh, in sewer ball? I spent a lot of time playing sewer ball. I was one of the last guys there. I pushed it, probably almost missed warm-ups a couple times, but it was just one of those things that was part of the preparation. Todd, sewer ball? No, it wasn't in my day and age. You know, there was no such thing as sewer ball. Mark, was on, that Chris, around they here? Were still, Chris, they were still smoking cigarettes in the locker room back when he played junior. Come on. <laughs> well, well, I mean, he was a soccer player. Maybe the, the ball ended up in the hockey bag. For all we know... He created and started Sewer Ball Crow. Like the, yeah, you know, yeah, I guess that would have been the headline of the podcast. That I mean, we don't know that. Mark, was it around back back when you were playing? Yeah, we played Sewer Ball when I was with the Weekings. Then every other team played. I later years, I kind of transitioned into a coffee in my stall kind of guy, though. Well, and and because Sewer Ball actually led to one of the great, of course, Weeking stories: the legend of the smiley face. Right, oh, yeah. with them playing with the ball and went over the wall and it got caught. So, uh, anyway, that's why I brought that up. Um, I talked about uh, smoking in the locker room. Obviously, that was a joke for the most part. I mean, Montreal Forum, if you look, they did have some ashtrays in their lockers. Uh, if you go to the Hockey Hall of Fame and, you know, the famous photo of Joe Theismann uh, drinking a Coke with a cigarette in his hand at Super Bowl halftime. But, I mean, let's talk about the difference between weight training and, you know, just pushing weights around in your garage because you can't get to the gym and then being on the ice, taking contact for the first time. Um, you know, is there a way in training camp you can like, like, is that the mindset is let's create as much realistic game scenarios right off the hop or, or what's the game plan for training camp? I'll start with you, Mark and the other guys, you can chime in with things that you think need to be done right off the hop. 
Yeah, I think we'll go right. Uh, I think we're not going to go right into battle and kill each other, things like that. I think we'll ease guys in with some, get the hands and feet going again and uh, and get their cardio back and we'll uh, ease the battle drills right in. Todd? Um, yeah, I, I feel the same way Mark does. Um, biggest thing is uh, not to get anybody hurt early on and, and groins are a big thing when you're, when you've taken time off and doesn't, uh, that's one big thing we got to worry about. But day one, two, and three, like uh, Mark did talk about and Don talked about, is more along the lines of getting to drill so we can watch these and assess some players because this is a training camp. There's players that aren't going to make this team. And uh, a lot of them are going to be just wanting to get out there and just show it right away. But those three days are days to get their feet under them. And then we'll, you know, with some skating at the end. But then after those three days, we'll, we'll get into more, hopefully, into more team drills and, and that kind of thing. We don't want to see anybody hurt. You know, some guys are so excited to be back and ready to go. And we've got to make sure that we reiterate to those players that, okay, take your time. we got plenty of time here. And not plenty, but enough time. Not first day or two. Don't be trying to make a mark on something that you're going to get yourself hurt. I've always been fascinated by the players who, who say that they don't get affected by the crowd noise that they can somehow block it out. Uh, Dan, going back to, to, to your playing career, playing in front of the crowd, is like is, is, is the noise in the atmosphere something that you ever paid attention to, or are you so focused on the game that all that becomes secondary? And I ask because, of you know, like you look at the NHL games right now without spectators, and they're pumping in the, the fake noise. I wonder from a playing standpoint how that would affect your style. Personally, I'm not a huge fan of the fake noise standpoint, especially just watching power plays and you seeing chances and the injection of the fake noise. I don't know. Personally, I don't, I'm usually just looking to see when I was playing as a defenseman, where the four checks coming from, what are my options? I'm not really paying attention to anything outside of the rink, but really um, just trying to play the game with your head up and make sure you're making good plays out there. Mark, does, does does feeding off the crowd ever come into any of your games, or was it just you're focused on the play as well? No, I think when you're on the ice, you're pretty much focused on the play, but you can definitely build off the crowd noise and the momentum they give you at home. Like, you score a goal and that crowd goes off, you're, uh, you get pretty excited. I think you can build off that. But once you're on the ice playing, I don't uh, think you're paying too much attention to the noise and the fans. Yeah, I'm concerned about this, Mark, because I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but in some rinks, for example, Prince Albert, where the radio booth is, I'm like six feet away from the ice. And if I'm talking, uh, because my timing isn't quite right, and I'm still talking when the anthem starts, like I, there were guys, Dave Anning was you know, the weekend coach prior to Dave Lowry, and if I was still talking when the anthem started, the stink eye I would get from the bench on the other side <laughs> From him, like the like in Slapshot, like, shut up, I'm listening to the song. Like, it was like that. But that's in a full rank in PA with people in it. So now, we're, if we go to a place where there's nobody in the building, I'm going to be just whispering. I, I feel like I'm going to have a hard time with this because how am I supposed to do anything with, you know, any excitement without sounding like an idiot, being the only one in the rank making any noise? I feel like it's just going to be absolutely strange. Is it weird to think about coaching? without anybody in the building? Mark, you can take this one. Yeah, I, I think they're, uh, I mean, your voice is going to travel. Everyone's going to hear everything. And uh, 
you're going to hear guys on the ice a little more. It's just going to be a weird atmosphere altogether. But I think everyone's pretty much past that and just ready to play hockey any way we can right now. Todd, is it going to make it easier to to line match and things like that because maybe you can hear a coach call out the a number of who's going as opposed to trying to look across and see? Do you think that'll actually play a factor or is that just uh, me overanalyzing it? Yeah, I, I don't really think you're going to see that. Like, you still get your line matches. I mean, the fans don't. It's more along the lines of you're hearing some stuff. You might you might overhear a faceoff player too, and you you know there's some teams that do say number one, two, or three, or different different things. You might be able to catch on, but uh, it's going to be the same. Are you going to be as willing to yell at a referee in an empty building? I'll start with you, Mark. Are you going to be as willing to bark at an official in an empty building if everything will be picked up on the broadcast? That's a good question. I think uh, <laughs> try to refrain from that, but emotions take over. I might be whispering like you, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, your wife will be listening, and yeah. you'll know you'll get this guy from her when you get home for saying the f word to the referee. Yeah. <laughs> you went with the refs. I was going to say about chirping across the ice at the other bench, because of course you know in our rink the benches with them being across the ice. At times, in some heated moments, the, the, the shouts already are loud enough to be heard over the crowds to be shouted back and forth, let alone in an empty building. But It's a good thing Tim Hunter isn't in the league anymore because he usually seemed to be in the middle of a lot of those coaches' confrontations. <laughs> uh, I guess we don't want to take too much of your time, guys, so let's uh, kind of transition into uh, our uh, rapid-fire segment at the end. I mean, we touched on a little bit with your Netflix binges, but uh, I'll start with you, Dan. Uh, when you think Brandon Wheat Kings, what's the first player you think of? Go. Mark Stone. That's good. Todd, what about you? You know what? I'm going to go way back. Not way back. Marty Murray. Ah, he was a guest on the podcast, and he's a big fan favorite. Billy, what about you? I was going to say Marty Murray myself. He was uh, <laughs> growing up. Yeah, that's uh, that's a pretty safe choice uh, taking Marty Murray, and I mean Mark Stone's made a pretty good name for himself uh, as well. Uh, I'll ask another one before I hand it over to Chris. Um, when you go back to your playing days, Dan, uh, what was your first thoughts of the rink in Brandon when you were coming to Brandon? What do you remember from your playing days? I remember the boards hurt a lot, and you got and the Wee Kings forechecked very hard. That was my memories of the Wee Kings. And Todd, when you think back to like, you know, being out there and, and thinking back to different moments in junior and that sort of thing, is there anything you remember talking about, hey, this happened with the Brandon Wheat Kings out west or anything come up like that? Um, not really. I mean, just like I said before, a lot of great, great teams. And when you hear like in Ontario about out west, Brandon Wheat Kings stick out. And, you know, I've watched Memorial Cups with them and that's that's one thing that even anybody in Ontario or people that I've talked to, everyone knows who the Brandon Wheat Kings are. Yeah, and I don't know if you know this, but Ray Ferraro scored 108 goals once for the Brandon Wheat Oh, Kings. I know. I was, I was in the gym. I was in the gym and saw that. I was in there with Mark, and there was like, there's no way anybody's going to beat that. Like, that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. I just love how uh, the sport or the TSN crew for this year's World Juniors made Ray a T-shirt. And on the T-shirt, it said, I had 58 goals at Christmas, and I made it to the World Juniors as a broadcaster. <laughs> that was what the T-shirt was for his Welcome to the World Junior gift. I love that they still give him the gears for that. Yeah, that's awesome. 
All right, I'm gonna start with, with with you, Mark. Who's the most talented player that you ever played with? Oh, most talented player I ever played with—that is tough. A guy I played with in the Manitoba Moose there, Brad Moran. I got to play with him for a month or two, and he was just unbelievable. Maybe not the best skater, but a magician with the puck and could just find you in any area and made it look so easy. Todd? Wow. <laughs> I was trying to think. It's tough. Uh, but I'll say one of my good buddies there that Mark knows real well. Um, in junior, he had 33 goals as a defenseman. Uh, Rick Jackman was pretty, uh, pretty dynamite with the Sioux Greyhounds back in the day and thought his career would have gone a lot further, but he was one of those guys that was like a man among, amongst boys back then as a defenseman. And Dan? Yeah, in, in Portland, we had some pretty skilled forwards, but I'd have to say probably Seth Jones. The guy was kind of a man amongst boys at 16 years old. So, Favorite NHL team a... growing up? Dan, favorite NHL team growing up? Favorite NHL team? Yeah. The Chicago Blackhawks. Blackhawks, why? How do you like that? A player, or was there a reason? Um... I'm a Western Canadian guy, and watching Seabrook and Keith on the blue line for all those years was kind of it for me. Okay, Todd. Well, me and Mark actually got uncles that are that uh, both played for the Toronto Maple Leafs. My uncle was Ron Ellis, my mom's brother, and you know, obviously with his family, we had right away. I think he's going to answer the same thing, but I'm not, I'm not sure. But Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> Mark, your uncle? Who? Who's that? <laughs> Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> William, yeah. I believe, wasn't it? Who's your, who is your favorite NHL team? Was it was it the Leafs too? You know, we were a Leafs house growing up. But I, for growing up when I was a young age, I, I liked the Canadians for some reason. That didn't go over too well. But uh, <laughs> No. <laughs> I can't, I can't imagine gone. why. I, uh, so I want to talk about nicknames because last week we had a man of many nicknames on. We, we, Scooter, Scoot, Scooter, Big Bear, Scootsy. Uh, Mark, what, when did someone first call you Billy? When did when did that transition happen? And have you had any other nicknames kind of along the way? You know what? I was Billy. I was seventeen with the Weekings, and it was funny. It was Ricky Kozak, who was with the Weekings there, and he played a year with my brother in Swan Valley, and I think he was calling him Billy. And then he came down to the Weekings or came up with the Weekings and started calling me Billy, and it just caught on immediately. I wore number ten. Just didn't go away. Kelly started calling me Billy, and then it just everywhere I go now in the hockey world, that's what it is. It was it was Ricky Kozak. Yeah, that's that's hilarious. <laughs> I actually that. I grew up with him a little bit in Russell when he was in Wayway, and he was living there. That's so well, funny. You talk about man among boys growing up playing hockey. That... <laughs> yeah, no kidding. He was something else. Uh, Todd, nicknames? Ah, uh, just Millsy. Uh, pretty, pretty simple. Hockey yeah, players are, they're just so creative. Yeah, hockey players yeah. are so creative. <laughs> Dad? Yeah, same with me. For me, it's Johnny. just jo- Johnny. <laughs> Very creative. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny, Billy. My wife, it, it gets her. Like, my wife, obviously, her sisters grew up with your wife playing hockey. And I'll come home and I'll tell one story where I'm referring to Mark. And then I'll tell the next story where I'm referring to Billy. And it doesn't matter how long you and I have been around. She'll still look at me and go, well, wait, who's Billy and which one's Mark? And it gets her every time. So I've been on a few hockey teams where a lot of guys wouldn't. Who's Mark? Who, <laughs> it's unbelievable. I did the same thing when I first got into the office and Don's calling Billy. I'm like, 
why, why are they calling me Billy? Like, I, I, I thought it was too easy to put together. I'm like, really? So I, I didn't. I was calling Mark the whole time. I'm getting a little better at calling Billy, but I was like, really? <laughs> Uh, I got one more before uh, I let you guys uh, go. What is your uh, go-to um, game day meal? Like, if if you are you a superstitious guy, do you eat the same thing? I know Donnie's a big cereal guy, and we give him the gears about him going to superstore and getting the the on sale box of Lucky Charms or Captain Crunch. <laughs> What like, is your go-to game day meal? He's like Jerry Seinfeld. He can have cereal for for any meal of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, start with you, Dan, or Dan, or no, Dan. Yeah. Um, when I was playing, I was a big just chicken and rice guy. Just simple. Nothing crazy. Same thing with me. Him? Very simple. Mark? Yeah, I, I was a chicken chicken pasta guy. And then I guess last year with the coaching, I'd maybe slide over to Wendy's for a <laughs> chicken or something. But... <laughs> No free ads. It's got to be a Billy's Beef Burger homemade on your own barbecue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, fellas, uh, we'll let you go. Uh, we've kept you long enough. Uh, looking forward to to meeting both uh, you, Todd, and Dan in the office uh, at some point soon. Hopefully, uh, we can get going. And uh, Billy, this was fun as always. And uh, uh, keep the hat in your stall. Like keep the hat in your stall, so that next time I'm there and I bring you free lunch, I can walk away with a new hat. <laughs> I've been waiting for this since the summer. Okay, I'll bring two hats Monday morning there. Big thanks to those guys, Mark, Todd, and Dan, for joining us on episode 40 of the Weekly Harvest, presented by Coors Light, the official beer of the Brandon Wee Kings. Crow, we are 40 episodes down. It is uh, hard to believe how fast the time is flying here. And for next week, we're going to actually talk about the the, the next two weeks, but uh, for next week, episode 41, uh, just in terms of legendary names in not just the Wee King history, but in NHL history, this is going to be one of the top names that we've had on the podcast. Wow. Well, we've had Bob McKenzie. To me, that from a broadcasting perspective, Bob McKenzie's up there. You know, that, that was a really cool one for me, especially because we got to do it live and in person. But this is one I've had a lot of people say, you guys could fill two, three hours with this guy. Uh, and I'm really excited to announce that next week's guest on episode 41 is Ron Hextall. Ron Hextall. That's amazing. On. on the all-star, all-team, Brandon Weekings, legendary junior career, legendary NHL career, uh, and even from there into management. There's a lot we could talk about. Uh, now he's with the LA Kings, but his name is being even, uh, you know, it's being thrown out there for maybe going to the old rival Penguins. Uh, there's a lot we could talk to him about, but uh, it's awesome. We got Ron Hextall on the podcast next week. Going to be good. Then on the week after that, episode 42, we are going to be talking to a man that knows his sports, multiple sports. He's traveled the world. He has probably performed in front of more sports crowds than most professional athletes. Cameron Hughes. Super fan Cameron Hughes, who we King fans will know from a few years ago. We've had him in a couple of our games. Um, he's a regular at the Golden Knights, the U.S. Open, uh, some major world events. So we're going to have him on. And, uh, you know, Cameron always loves to give the Wheat Kings love. He's uh, he never uh, shy to rock the Wheat King jersey online, one of his videos. So it would be good to have him on here as well. 
Love it. He's got a new book out. We'll promote it. Uh, we'll, we'll give him a chance to talk about his new book, what went into it, and uh, we'll get him, if we can, depending on where he does the interview from, we'll get him to show us a bit of his jersey collection because I've seen it on Twitter. I'm a big jersey guy. I actually just picked up a signed Timu Solani purple Anaheim Ducks original, um, and I'm super pumped. I got it in a frame uh, this week, but uh, he's a big jersey guy, and I hope he gets to show us his collection a little bit for the viewers at home on WCG TV. So, um, really looking forward to the next couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, after that, uh, we're going to keep trying to bring you some great guests. We've reached out to a ton of former alumni and uh, Trevor Kidd, Pokey Raddick, and a bunch of other guys as well. So hopefully we can get these guys on and we can keep uh, churning out content until the puck drops here on this uh, hopefully uh, abbreviated season. And in the meantime, uh, like we did last week for you sticking it out to the end, let's do another email giveaway. So uh, all you have to do this week to get another, uh, by the way, for the for the seven or eight people who did uh, stick it out in email uh, at the end of last week, uh, your name's going to go into a draw for a little bigger prize I'll make. But everybody, like I said, is going to get something from the prize drawer. So uh, what we're going to do this week is all you have to do is email any question or comment that you want us to get on for either Ron Hextall or for Cameron Hughes. So send uh, an, uh, a question or a comment for the next two weeks, and you're going to get into another draw. It's qweeklyharvest at gmail.com. The letter Q, weeklyharvest at gmail.com. Weekly Love Harvest it. brought to you by Coors Light, the official beer of the Brandon Wheat Kings. Please drink responsibly. Crow, any final things to add on? As long as the prizes uh, that you're giving away isn't like, uh, you know, a signed photo of of myself. Uh, I think the people will be happy with it. I'll tell, I mean, <laughs> actually, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell you what it is. We have got some uh, autographed eight by tens throughout the years. Um, nice. And, we, like it could be like it could be a John Quinville. It could be an Ivan Provorov. I still got a couple of those. That'd be pretty sweet. Um, we got a there couple things go. from like the Eastern Championship year, and then I have got a drawer full of hockey cards going back to the nineties. Some are autographed, some aren't. Um, just a whole bunch of giveaways that we normally do during the year, just a random things and games um, that I still have. So might as well, like I said, give it to the fans uh, through the right podcast. On. So drop me an email, drop us an email, qweektheharvest at gmail.com. Until next week, keep those lines tight. Have a good one. Cheers. Be sure to follow Q Country and the Wheat Kings on Twitter and Facebook for all your Brandon Wheat Kings news. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Harvest.